Quick shout out from our sponsor, Sheer ID. Are you trying to boost conversions to your Shopify store? Need to drive more customer loyalty? Get results fast by offering exclusive discounts to consumer communities with Sheer ID. Sheer ID helps verify students, teachers, military, first responders, and so much more of these groups. With Sheer ID, you'll get a verified match in seconds. You can spit out an exclusive discount for customers on the spot. Try speaking directly to a new customer segment with this verifiable identity without adding friction to the shopping experience. Continue to drive incremental revenue in the next 90 days post-purchase with more tailored messaging for your email and SMS campaigns. I personally tested ShareID to see just how easy it was to get set up, and I was pretty much ready to go in under 15 minutes. The onboarding was simple enough for me to follow as a non-technical person. Go to sheerid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Once again, that's sheerid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. It's uh, great stuff. We both tried it. We both yeah, like it. it. Honestly, and... God, I've been drinking nothing else for three months. I you know, I think in like February, I tweeted saying I was having issues with caffeine. And I was just like a jittery mess. And Greg replied to me like, well, just try this. If it's no good, I'll refund you. Honestly, I haven't stopped since. It's fantastic. I love it. Go to nowave.co and use pod 10 for 10% off your order. That is n-o-o-wave.co and use code pod 10 for 10% off your entire order. Hello and welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast. We have myself, Matt Lady, and Tom Brown as your co-hosts. Each week we'll have a catch-up and open form discussion and chit-chat about how our businesses are doing, what's on our minds, what we're struggling with lately, uh, and what is working and helps to show you the ups and the downs of building a direct-to-consumer brand. Tom, how the heck is it going? Where are you uh, calling in from today to give the viewers? Pretty, pretty good, yeah. man. I am currently down in a place called Basingstoke in Hampshire, England. So a little away from yourself. But... <laughs> and I am from uh, Livermore, California. So outside the Bay Area. So across the pond from you. But... Ooh. We're excited to uh, connect and chat about all these stuff. Long show's been a long time coming. Uh, we've been chatting about this for a while, so really we excited have. to get it started. Uh, episode yeah, one here. Let's 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 lay the foundation, get the groundwork out. Tom, who the heck are you? Where are you coming from? Like, what's your experience? What's your background? That is a damn good question. Um, I have been, geez, I've been in ecom since probably about 2014. Originally started on Squarespace. I Sorry, I apologize for anybody at Shopify right now. <laughs> That's just where I came from. Um, I was building like, I actually started, funny, this came up in a conversation I was having with a few folks early today. I started like when I was working full-time job, I was working for British Airways. Um, I actually started building on the side, like little websites for geez, like tree surgeons, car garages, all this sort of thing in my local area. Um, kind of stumbled into e-commerce. I was buying Quest Bars from the United States, spending a fortune to import them from California, like $40 a box. It was ridiculous. Um, kind of got sick of paying that much for protein bars. It was stupid. <laughs> I was at a point in my life, I was just trying to lose a, a ton of weight. Um, so I basically, I tried to like reverse engineer Quest Bars and launch like my first e-com brand then selling these, these protein bars in the UK. Um, that I mean, it took off kind of by mistake, I'll be honest. I was selling to friends in the gym, you know, friends and family were kind of buying them. In fact, I was shipping more and more of them back to the States, which was, again, just absurd. Um, making these things in my mom's kitchen, literally like two, 300 of them a day, and just, I, I, I capped out. I could not produce anymore. Um, went from that to, you know, trying to like 
talk to manufacturers, see if they would take my recipe and just scale it up. Most of them said no, or they were coming back with, you know, certain requirements, couldn't use certain ingredients, or I'd have to pay you know, thousands to get these ingredients verified and put into their system. And on top of that, you know, like minimum orders were like a hundred thousand units. And it was like guarantee up to 250,000 a year. Like I just, I couldn't, I didn't have the money, not a damn chance. Um, long story short, I, so I kind of went from that reverse engineered. I'm like, okay, well, what if I go build like the marketplace and the audience first? So I built a company called Posted Protein, um, ran that for like five, six years. And that was essentially like working with a bunch of other retailers in the sort of nutrition space. Um, that became like a big sort of mix and match marketplace where you can you know, build your own box of 12 different bars, 12 different energy drinks, that kind of thing. Um, then probably like in 2019, um, must admit, my mom went to the hospital and it was actually, uh, sat in a hospital waiting room one day and I'm like, I, I know for like the foreseeable future, I am not going to have that much time to spend on this brand anymore. So like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, you know, there was no way I was not going to go to the hospital with my mom. It was, it was like for a couple times a week at that point. I'm like, I need to find something I can literally do out of a hospital waiting room that doesn't require me to physically be in a warehouse picking packing orders and, you know, just actually being in the operation side. Um, so that became Brand Labs, which was like a little agency, um, just helping brands, Shopify focused brands, Shopify, Shopify plus brands, really sort of rebuild themes, whether that was custom themes or premium themes, um, helping a lot with sort of PPC, with Facebook ads, and really just overall strategy and just helping them execute. So it was kind of a jack of all trades and just taking everything I'd learned from, from running Posted Protein for years. Um, so I'm still doing that, still doing quite a bit on the side, got a little team that works for, for Brand Labs at this point. And then about a year ago, working with a lot of these clients, I decided like, I, the question I was kind of getting the most through, you know, through Twitter or Facebook groups or anything like that was like, show me how to do this. Like it's very well telling me the tactics and telling me the strategy, but like, how do I actually do this? So I think I, I text you at the time, I was like setting up this little um, paid community where I was just going to build the whole thing in public. And I figured that would actually kind of hold me accountable, but hopefully it would show a bunch of folks exactly how to do this. Um, I only had like, you know, 13 people, I think signed up on like day one, nothing crazy. And I launched this brand and document the entire process of, you know, talking to manufacturers, talking about like who the audience was, how I was going to find these customers, like what my launch strategy was. Launched that on it was February 4th, 2021. And it just took off like a little rocket. It, like it was never the intention that, again, I was having this conversation with a friend earlier on and kind of said like, it, it's such a twisted thing. Like I never thought this brand would get to this point, but I've like mistakenly built like the seven figure business. It's, it's <laughs> the most ridiculous thing in the world, um, <laughs> which I mean, it's, it's a nice little humble brag. I'll take it, but <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, I mean, yep. that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I launched that yeah, about 18 months ago. And I, I kind of figured more the strategy I wanted to go. I mean, Historically, I think my goal was always like build the biggest business, you know, hire as many people as possible, just like top line, top line, top line, growth at all costs. And I'll be honest, in like the last two years, that has shifted so much where like it's become far more about lifestyle, how to actually pull back. Like I don't want to be working 20 hour days, sleeping for four, get up and going again. It's just, I was chasing money for such a long time. And I think that has shifted so much where it's far more of like, I would rather have two or three of these businesses. Yeah, you know, to a hundred, two hundred k profit a year, and really living off that, and having just a very nice lifestyle, living off American Express points that just allow me to travel, and really just leveraging that as much as possible. Yeah, uh, for me, certainly, it's far more sustainable. It's far more enjoyable. Yeah, well, thank yeah, thanks for the background, the intro, and the context. Uh, I learned a little bit about you in just a few <laughs> minutes as as well. So that's uh, that's great. So uh, I think the two points you made there about you didn't expect either business to take off like a rocket and they did. So I think that's just something to highlight and like re re reiterate, like most successful people, uh, at least now in this day and age of like 
personal brand and, oh, this is how exactly how I did things. This is exactly how I did it. And it's like, that's, you're looking back, you know, and you're like trying to like connect the dots and like, oh yeah, this is what I did. And this is why it worked. But you don't actually know. You don't like no. you did. Most people aren't that smart to like know exactly how it's going to work moving forward. So it's all looking back. So if you want to start a brand or you're in the early stages or you've been kind of up and down for a while, like we, Tom, myself, everyone, we're all kind of in the same boat. We're all figuring it out as we go. And like, he didn't expect it to work and be the straight big success. And it did. No, and he was able to repeat it. Like he said, on accident, like <laughs> he didn't mean it to be that successful that quickly. So just wanted to point that out again. I appreciate it, man. I mean, funny, again, I kind of had this conversation with a friend the other day and saying the same thing. I think the fact that when I launched this business 18 months ago, you know, I was, I wasn't reliant upon it. You know, I wasn't trying to take money out. I wasn't trying to extract value from it. It was something that was completely on its, on the side, you know, self-reliant. Anytime it made money, like I just poured it straight back in. Um, you know, it literally, it started with like, I think it was like $1,600 on a credit card. You know, it was low investment. I knew if it all went wrong, like I just sell the product, list it on eBay, list it on Amazon and just get rid of it. You know, the, the, the risk was very low. And, but I think it was the fact that there was no pressure on the brand. Like it wasn't, there was no force. You know, I, it, I, I've been in that situation before where I've kind of put myself in a corner where, you know, like there was, there was payroll to meet that month. So, you know, like had to hit certain limits or certain sales levels, certain profit levels. That is unbelievably stressful. Like when your back is against the wall, it's, it's such a different game. And it's, it's kind of the advice I give to a lot of merchants or, you know, would be merchants kind of coming up now. It's like, do not quit your day job. Like for the love of God, like build this as, as a side project, you know, take like two to three hours a day. If you can, if an evening, you know, if an early morning, something like that, take, don't take money out of it for like the first 12 months. If you possibly can. Yes, dude, that's, um, and I've, I've done, I've made that mistake myself and have tried to do it freelancing and consulting and doing this and that and trying to, it's, it's really tough and really stressful. Yeah. And I think um, again, back to this, like social media, personal branding stuff, like, oh, well, th this person, it's so easy, six steps to make your first hundred figures in six weeks. And like, if they can do it, like, why can't I, or like, that's, that's like the bar and expectation. And so I think that's, um, it can be motivating and it can be inspiring and it can be helpful in some ways, which is cool, okay. but it can also be very stressful and very, uh, comparison based and like, oh, I, uh, I want to just make it faster. I don't want to wait 12 months and not take money out of my business. What the heck? Like, uh, it's so hard to play that long game and to be patient. Mm -hmm. It's so tough. So, um, that's really interesting, man. And then the second point I wanted to, to, after sure. your little, Sorry, no, it's, it's all good. Um, but the second recap of your intro, um, was the lifestyle and your mindset change in terms of top line growth and revenue and growth at all costs. And part of that I'm sure is because of the pandemic, which is like kind of teetering out, kind of still a thing and um, all this stuff right now. And it's, I'm sure me, especially my mindset and, and my attitude towards life and business has changed quite a bit. So I just wanted to like um, touch on that a little bit more and like, and ask you, what are some of the sort of things that have changed uh, for you and your mindset and like the way you're trying to set up your life and live life each day now, rather than just top line growth for forever? Yeah, I mean, 
it's kind of it's hard to pinpoint like exactly when that change was. I think you're right. A lot of it kind of came down to the pandemic. Um, yeah, I, uh, when when the pandemic first happened, you know, we still had the warehouse. I still had the warehouse, and we were still you know one of the few businesses that could actually remain open. Um, they closed us down for about three four weeks, and that was painful as all hell. Um, but when like yeah, that permission kind of came through that we could, you know, we were in the, operating like this gray era. Online retailers could kind of open because we weren't physically seeing people like that was okay. But I remember being like one of the only people on the road, you know, only people outside. It was just peculiar. You know, going down the street, it would normally take me like you know, 30 minutes to get across town at the warehouse. And it was like 12 minutes. It was just nobody around. And I, I think it was like, it was during that process. I mean, just the fact, you know, I rarely saw anybody, you know, we were, I would kind of see me, the girl that's sort of around the front of the warehouse. It was, it was kind of the two of us the whole way through this pandemic, um, which was peculiar in its own right. I mean, you know, I think we both just had a lot of these conversations of like, you know, the, the past that we were on and just questioning like at this age, at this point, having gone through being kind of forced to slow down, like, is this something I want to continue with? You know, I built this bottle business and by all, you know, by other people's definitions, you know, it's, it's quote unquote like successful, but like, it doesn't feel it. You know, I'm not sleeping. I'm stressed as hell. I'm struggling like to make payroll some months because particularly in the pandemic, you know, I didn't really know what the hell was happening. Um, that was actually weirdly fortunate. You know, to begin with, like gyms were closing and we kind of figured, you know, the business was going to tank because of it. You know, no one was going to be buying protein supplements. And before we know it, like the literally the next month, I think in the March, the gyms and everything shut. I think by April, like our sales had like four X. It was ridiculous. Um, which again, great problem, but the, then we're struggling to get stuff in, you know, a lot of stuff comes in from the U S and from Europe and yeah, just everything shut down. Like everybody's kind of experienced, but it was, it was like during those periods of just questioning, like, is this something that I really want to continue with? Yeah. You know, I, by that point, I, I kind of told myself, like, I was quite happy to pump my twenties to see if I could really build something. And, you know, I'm coming up on at that point. I was coming up on 30, I turned 30 last year. It was, it was like, I was getting to the end of that decade where I kind of said like, oh, yeah, I'll punt it. I'll take the risks. You know, there's, there's no mortgage. There's no kids. I'm not married. Like, let's just, if I'm going to take the risks anytime, take them now, let's figure this out. And if it all goes wrong, like I'm young enough to just kind of start over and go again. I, I don't know. It was kind of like just evaluating all this kind of happened at once, you know, pandemic coming up to 30, kind of reaching the end of that milestone I'd given myself and just questioning, like, is this the life I actually want to live? You know, I've been chasing money, chasing the things, chasing the material items for so long. And yet, you know, I've not seen a number of friends in years. My relationships, to be honest, you know, with close friends, with girlfriend, yeah, were, were, were tinkering. It was, yeah, it was hard work and it was becoming very apparent that I was almost every time putting work first and not, not the family, not the relationships, not the friendships. And like, that was a problem. That was a real like eye-opening moment of, I, I am sacrificing things that are the most important for, for cash. Like, what the hell am I doing? <sighs> yeah, dude. Uh... Thanks for thanks for being open and sharing that and being vulnerable and like admitting that and like it's it's not easy and like I've definitely hundred thousand percent have done the same thing. Yeah, and you so you're not alone and like it's it sucks. It's hard. It's like, well, what's the point of I can't enjoy the time or the cash like with the people that I want to spend time with and do the things I want to like enjoy doing and like not everything uh, has to be all about money or about business or making a brand and getting as big as you can all the time. Uh, like I said earlier, it's both inspiring that we have all this connection and all this seeing these people all the time, living their life, documenting every single little thing and like making, making themselves the star of their life and their own show and like other people envious and get comparison and all that stuff. But uh, you have to dig deep and ask yourself and be self-aware and like, 
is that what I want? Or is that what I think I want? Because mm. we, we always often come to a grass is always greener. Like, oh, if I just have that, then I can be happy or then I'll be cool. It's like, <laughs> you're like, oh, well, you've, you've, like, you've built multiple brands to like seven figures now. Like, how, how many, like, how many more is it going to take? Do you need to go to eight figures? Do you need like 10 brands and seven figures? Like what, when's enough is enough. Like it's, it's tough. It's tough to say. And like, I think it's really neat how you're trying to like dig deep and ask yourself these questions and make those changes and consciously slow down and reevaluate and reprioritize. And you know, that might change again later, but it's just life is all about adapting. Yeah, it is. And you're right. It may completely change again. You know, it's, it's funny. A lot of the, uh, I suppose like the risks or I don't know, just the, the sort of day to day is, is so far away from what it was back in like 2014, 2014, 2015, you know, the, the decisions I was making then, the money I was spending then on, you know, goods and purchase orders and stuff like that. I mean, it's like a hundred X right now, what it was then. And like, you know, I was terrified at that point of putting those POs in and like, now I'm here and you know, I'm still terrified because the money, like the numbers have just increased so much. It's, it, it is terrifying at times. So we're just wiring off like 80 grand to China or wherever the hell. <laughs> hoping the product is going to show up, <laughs> but it's as much as like that has scaled in a weird way. It, it, I don't know. It, like that becomes very quickly becomes normal. If that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, it sort of does. Um, like, like you said, it, the numbers get bigger. You're still scared. You're still like, have that nervous feeling. You're still like, okay, hopefully it gets here on time. Hopefully I'm able to sell through it in time and be able to like, make my next order and all that. So, uh, it makes sense. And then, but the hundred X in cost and like, uh, order size is not necessarily your happiness or your success is a hundred X. Like no. it's sort of, it, like you said, it's sort of kind of the same. It's kind of weird. It it's, it's kind of this odd paradox kind of situation. So, um, it's fascinating, man. Um, well, yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing about that and uh, giving you your background. And uh, I'll be a little more, uh, I'll share my background a little bit uh, so we can, people know who the heck this other guy is talking. Uh, <laughs> I started digital advertising in 2015 and I was at a political firm. Uh, so we, one of the most notably, we tried to spend a million dollars in a day and I was trying to, for a single ballot initiative. And we had to like keep track of like which zip codes were getting the most, like getting the spend. So that most likely the ads would show up for those voters, like as they're in, hopefully in line, like to go vote, like, like crazy stuff like that. So that's how I got my start in Facebook ads and uh, all this stuff. And then I went to a different agency, but that was like too slow and like the opposite because the political firm was super stressful and high, high intense. This other one was like a little slower, like little, like I could finish my work in three hours. And then like, <laughs> I just have to sit in the office all day. I'm like, fuck, there's gotta be like a middle ground. <laughs> there's gotta be a middle ground, right? And so that's when I started freelancing back in 2019. And I was, became a media buyer, worked with just e-commerce brands and saw like what it was like to work with uh, small business owners and founders in that e-commerce of money in and money out. So yeah, it's a little more stressful at times because before you're like oh well the the ballot we lost if we won it's very binary of like <laughs> cool what success looked like but e-commerce it's like yeah we make money we don't make money but each day it's like yeah we made money or we didn't make money or we lost or, you know it's up and down it's ongoing um 
there's like everyone has their own school of thought of like how fast their business should be growing. So it was really neat to um, work with these founders and small brands and help them grow through Facebook and uh, been doing advising, consulting um, with some brands in different capacities. So I'm not like buying their ads directly for them, helping them uh, make strategic decisions, sort of like you're saying with brand labs. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. And then I've been um, starting up this content machine with High Key Geek. It's uh, the everyday entrepreneur's little media brand. So I got a couple shows going. Uh, E-commerce uncovered is the main one, uh, where it's all about practical, tactical information from experts, practitioners, operators um, about how to grow a brand in a specific subject matter, um, and then launching it, this show with you, brand builders. And then we had conversational commerce with Stephanie Griff Griffith. She's co-host of season one. That's going to come back. My buddy, Richie, uh, from She's Birdie, he's going to start a show coming up soon. So uh, bu building a little media company as well, trying to figure out the next move, if I'm going to keep consulting, freelancing, or um, kind of shift gears and maybe go in-house somewhere. So that's kind of where, where I'm at right now. Um, Very cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> so that's just give you all some context uh, for the other who other guy is uh, in your ears right now. A quick reminder from our sponsor, ShareID. Find your next lifetime customers by providing verified discount codes based on occupation or life stage. Speak directly to veterans, students, teachers, first responders, and continue to tailor your messaging to them in the future with post-purchase emails and text messages. Make them feel seen with your brand by using ShareID to seamlessly verify their email in seconds during the purchase process. Go to shareid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. A quick note from our sponsor, just a little reminder that No Wave is the coffee for creativity, which us D2C folks need plenty of. Their signature flow state coffee is organic ground coffee with L-theanine. This is shown to help lower anxiety improve brain function, and sharpen your focus. Tom and I have both tried it and have made it our coffee of choice when cranking on ad accounts and planning for big events like Black Friday. It's the perfect way to kickstart your workday, whether you're at the office or working from home. Go to nowave.co and use pod 10 for 10% off your order. That is n-o-o-wave.co and use code pod 10 for 10% off your entire order. So... We, we have a couple topics here that we might want to talk about. And so timely right now, what are your thoughts about starting a new brand? Like right now, right now, this is August 11th, 2022. And why might now be the best time to begin a customer centric brand during a recession like we're having right now? Why do you think that? What are your thoughts around that? I want to hear it and let's go back and forth. Chill, man. I mean, obviously, it's one guy's opinion. You know, obviously, don't take this as gospel because I am by no means an expert. This <laughs> is kind of just what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I'm putting that out there quick. Yeah. Disclaimer. So, yeah. Yeah. Please go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disclaimer. <laughs> yep, yep. Fair enough. I don't know, man. I mean, everyone's kind of throwing like, like this, this recession term. Um, whether we're going into one or whether we're in one, I don't really know. I'll be honest, like, you know, I'm. Even just going around like my local store, not local store, local town, looking around the stores, looking around the restaurants, looking around the bars, particularly the last like month, they're heaving. They really are. Like I've never seen them busier, which I don't know, to a lot of extent, 
would suggest people are not pulling back. You know, I spent the last couple of days down in Devon, which is down in the southwest, and we stopped on the journey back, like a three and a half hour drive. Stopped on the way back at this little farm shop and got like, you know, two coffees, two pastries. And you know, it was like 24 pounds. I'm not kidding. Like there's a queue of people in and out the door behind me. Like people are not slowing down spending. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of like the, the way to preface it. Like I don't really know that we are going into recession in the same way that the media seems to be publicizing. On the flip side, if we are, I mean, we're already starting to see like freight costs coming down, you know, getting goods in from China, getting goods in from Europe, the US right now is coming down. Um, that is at last getting a bit cheaper. As much as inflation and fuel prices have gone up over the last couple of months, and I know we can blame a lot of this on war and on, on COVID and what was happening over the last few years. Again, not an expert. Um, I think what I would say is if, if all this does go pop, I don't think you'll see ad costs. Ad costs will come down. I truly believe ad costs will come down. I think you will be able to do a lot of deals with factories in China that are needing to move materials and need their production lines to be moving. I think there will be phenomenal rates available for goods. I think there will be fantastic payment terms available. I think you can leverage the position that everybody's going to be in, in that everyone will be struggling to pay bills and use that to your advantage. Ask for better terms, get better terms, whether that's with established vendors and suppliers already, or whether you're kind of starting from scratch. I think it actually gives you strength to do that. On the flip side, I think it's actually going to wipe out a lot of people that are not profitable too. And I think we're already starting to see this with a lot of like the DTC darlings that have been raising money hand over fist for the last like five, six years. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to name names. There was one that kind of came up the other, the other day, and I'm sure you know who I'm talking about that, you know, didn't get the Series A and then now looking at bankruptcy off the back of it. And I, I don't know the financials. I'm going to assume they're not profitable or they never have been. And that they've just been burning money at all costs to get to this rate. I, I know for a fact that's what a lot of the brands I've worked with over the years, you know, as clients have been doing. Yep. Um, it has just been growth at all costs. And I think that's going to start buying people in the arts. I think there's going to get to a point where the VCs are now sick of just lending money, hand over fist. And like things are kind of coming in. People want to actually start seeing returns at long last. And if these brands are not profitable, you know, the, the valuations on these brands have been absurd. I think they've been all over the cover of like Wired Magazine and everything else. And they're exactly who we've all looked up to. Because, you know, raise money, drive revenue as hard as fast as possible, hire as fast as possible, be the most innovative brand going at all costs. And I, I don't know, I feel like it's just, it's, it's coming in. It's actually going to give the smaller players a lot more room to play. I think it's going to reset things in a very, very healthy way, if it does happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, ex ex some excellent points you made about, uh, and I think the biggest, like, thing about with VCs and the fundraising and that stuff is like, I'm thinking like, man, why has it been like so DTC focused and like lately compared to many years ago? It's like, well, I'm pretty sure it's because a lot of VCs and funding started with like SaaS and technology. And yeah. so scaling and building that is much different than selling physical product goods. The margins are different. The business structure is different. The customer is different. Your individual people versus, you know, potentially to big, big businesses all at once. So direct to consumer. Oh, well, they're making a bunch of money with fate, like off Facebook ads and LTVs and these subscriptions and like that. They just try to like copy and paste it into physical products. And like, yeah. that just doesn't work most of the time. And so. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things I was kind of like thinking about while you're talking about, it. I'm like, why hasn't it worked as well as we thought? Like there's much people much smarter than me and like, and like much more experienced in all this stuff, but 
why hasn't it worked? So I think that's just kind of the first thing that came to my mind was like, you, you don't have, you, sometimes it's just a single purchase. Like software is like reoccurring. It's a subscription or it's like an annual plan. Like for DTC brands, most it's one-time purchase, maybe yep. purchase later that year or a new product comes out, but they try to force these subscriptions and that works for some brands, but then you get into the problem of not being good customer experience of like, oh, I have too much of this product, cancel or pause, or um, they have the, some kind of subscriptions force these terms on you. Um, so that's just kind of depends on like your product. You can't subscriptionize everything. So I think, yeah, <laughs> no, like, ah, I get a new t-shirt every week. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Like, okay, but you get your shampoo every month or whatever it is or skincare or whatever that make, might make more sense or your supplements or whatever, because you're taking them every day. Sure. But yeah, I just wanted, yeah, I think that was kind of my initial reaction to, mm -hmm. um, to kind of the main points you're making there about, uh, seeing that shift. Yeah, it's funny. You kind of, I mean, I know I mentioned this earlier around like the sort of customer centric aspect of it. I, I think, again, a lot of small brands that do have like these, these tight knit audiences that they have been building. Again, the way I say it, it's like it needs to become more customer centric is you need to actually give a, give a shit about these customers. Like you really, really do. <laughs> and I think yeah. so many of us haven't, you know, we just looked at Facebook as this arbitrage machine of like, just go out and buy new customers. Like as long as we are break even, like just keep spending, doesn't matter. I think it's going to force a lot, myself included, to be honest, to like look at the brands we're operating and say like, okay, what what is the journey that our audience is on? What is the journey that this customer is on? You know, we've, we've served them with product one. What is the natural next step, natural extension of this product line? What is the next thing happening in this audience's life that they are likely to purchase that we can actually solve for them? And I think that's where a lot of us just have not looked. We've either been running like, yeah. You know, I don't say copycat brands, but there's a lot of very similar brands <laughs> in the DDC space that have raised a lot of money, all competing yeah. with each other. And, you know, it's getting to a point where I don't think any of them really stand out, really. And it's it's getting to a point where, you know, you can only innovate a product so much, or you can only white label a product so much. And it's it's the brand that starts to then stand out. It's, you know, what is your post-purchase experience like? You know, how much are you taking care of the customer? What's the warranty like? You know, if something goes wrong, if there's a return request, like, what does that process look like? Because it's that that's then going to build the trust, that builds longevity, that builds that lifetime value. And I, I think that needs to become far more of a, a bigger part of the pie than it has been. Yeah, man. Like, these brands are independent brands. They're run by one or two people, like three people. Like, lean into that. You're, like, yeah. you're, talk to your customers. You're not just some big conglomerate multi-trillion dollar corporation and no, just, like, all of your products are yeah you're not like walmart safeway target whatever these big box stores and you're just one of the other products on the shelf like you're getting your product and your brand in front of the customer on their little phone they see we see a bunch of them every day but for that moment it's just you like how do you make yourself stand out how do you get them from the ad to your website how do you welcome them how do you communicate with them how do you get them to finish purchasing or if they don't purchase, if they can contact you and you respond appropriately, not with an automated email response, we'll get you, we'll get back. Thanks for your message. We'll get back to you in the next three to five days. There's almost no one who's going to wait <laughs> three to five days for an impulse purchase. They're ready to buy now. They just have a quick question. They want to make sure you're legit that you're, they're not getting going to get ripped off and scammed or like this is an actual business. So 
oh man. And then post-purchase and after all that stuff, like you said, like, can you become part of their life? Like, is there content that you can create to support the lifestyle, the values, the mission around the product? Not just, oh yeah, I just go to Tom's website to buy my new protein like every, every so often. No, I'm actually listening to like, um, I follow him on like his brand on TikTok, and they post gym tips and fitness inter interviews and talk to trainers and, you know, whatever it is like for your brand, like mm -hmm. that's becoming uh, social media is free. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort, but you get free reach to reach a bunch of people without yeah. paid ads. And it's actually insane. And I think we have so much more content getting tossed at us, just garden hose, like, fire hose just spewing out all day content 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 like your brand has to you have to catch some of these people and some people it's like it's just a job to be done i just need protein powder <laughs> i just mm -hmm. need the best and whatever i don't care about the other brand stuff but you, there's always a cheaper option there's always a different option what is it for you that you're going to connect with these people and make them keep coming back and yeah. to make your those that 80% uh, of your revenue from like 20% of your best customers. Like yeah. that's what you should probably be spending more time on instead of just putting more money into the, uh, <laughs> turning your cash into Zucks bucks and trying to get more customers <laughs> and just like, okay, cool. They bought once, sweet. Our revenue went up that one day, but then they're gone. They never came back. Like, is that really worth it? And that all contributes to that. Uh, earlier in this, uh, we were talking about top line growth at all costs, revenue focus. So um, maybe it's like, cool, I can just serve a few less people and make them really happy and just stick with them for longer instead of trying to rush through everything. So just really interesting to yeah, think also, about it. I think that's so true. I mean, kind of just thinking back over the years, like I have never built a brand that was a race to the bottom. Like I never wanted to be the cheapest, never have been the cheapest. You know, there's competitive products that you could buy for significantly less. I always knew that, you know, if we were charging a premium instantly kind of out of the gate, we were setting ourselves apart of like, okay, why is it so much more? But it, it meant we could do so much more for the customer. You know, it meant we could have someone on live chat. It meant we could have someone sitting there on a phone, literally ready to take a call, or ready to catch an SMS. You know, it meant after the purchase that we could really take care of them, reach out, make sure everything's fine. If something went wrong, like we can just fix it without worrying about it. You know, it's baked into the margin. That I think has always been such an advantage to us. Yeah, that's where people, oh, but no, I just acquired a new customer with Facebook. Like I can scale that and kind of forget that it's a human. It's not just, yeah. I put a hundred dollars in and I get five orders out. Like those are five people. And if you take care of those people, uh, guess what's cheaper than Facebook ads? Them telling their friends, them mm -hmm. posting about it, them sharing it, being, becoming an advocate, becoming someone who wants to get more people oh try this new product this new brand's sick like a lot of people want to be that person for their friend group yeah like they like being like oh this is what's trendy or this is what's in or this new thing that like oh not as many people know about this yet like lean into that and if you take care of your the customers the more likely that will happen versus cool now that up to a thousand bucks a day on facebook now like oh scale up to 1200 just like without even caring and your ad comments, are, you're just getting destroyed and you have no idea. Like, just think about the actual humans and what we're actually doing. I mean, that, that's kind of the joke <laughs> of it, you know, for, for every like business I've had that, you know, that's charged a premium for those products. 
when we like run ads, you know, we'll take a lot of the content. You're exactly right. You know, the people that do the ad go out and tell friends and they post it on social media. We you know, will take that content. We'll run that as an ad. And in fact, when we're actually retargeting or just targeting prospects, we'll put in the audience of like past purchases, like throwing people that are 30 to 60 day customers purely to get social proof. Like, you know, we'll start seeing people in the comments, either engaging in a way that is super positive or frankly, like if they have a problem, I actually have no issue with them commenting and saying they have a problem because it gives me a chance to respond in public. You know, if they say like, you know, the battery's dead or this product's broken or it's arrived damaged, like, okay, literally publicly, we're going to just fix this for you, which I think, again, just has established so much trust over the years for these brands. It's done so well, which has actually driven our costs down to acquire a customer versus our competitors. You know, I've watched like copycat competitors try and outspend us and the ground business within like six months. And to the point, I, just, I genuinely don't even worry about it anymore, which I know probably sounds quite arrogant, but it, it's not even become a consideration. Like, I know I will take better care of that customer. I know we have a better experience because, like, I will die on the hill trying to make sure that it is. Yes. So, like, the positive comments, the neg- like, the questions addressing that in the comment, that's, like, someone coming up to you at a physical store. Like, let's translate it in person real quick to, like, talk about ad comments. Because I know some brand founders like, oh, no. I don't respond to comments or like turn our comments off or whatever. But think about it this way. You're in Walmart, you're in Safeway, you're in Target. You go up and you see a product or you see an advertisement on a deal. Like, oh, four for $10. Cool. And you go ask one of the workers there, hey, can you help me with this? Or like, hey, like uh, last time I tried to get this deal, it didn't work. They're not just going to ignore you and keep walking away and like doing their job. They're going to be like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. Um, well, oh, yeah, the date was wrong on the deal. Or like you mix and match the products and you couldn't. Right. So by responding to the comments, you're like, again, you are a smaller brand compared to these big corporations and billionaires. Like, mm-hmm. especially if you're like the brand founder or like you're obviously coming from a place of, not just a customer support person that helps even more like, Oh yeah, this is Tom. (laughs) Like I'm the founder. Like, Oh yeah. Sorry about that. Like some, we had a small issue with some orders. We'll get you a new one replaced right away. People on the fence about buying maybe more likely to buy now after seeing that comment instead of just the ad that is, Oh, over 20 million thousand five-star reviews and no negative ones ever. Like that's just all faked and it's, it's all nonsense. So I think just trying to like humanize this stuff a little more and trying to like view it in a slightly different way can help us a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I think back to like, again, 2015 when, I mean, we first like, when Instagram still had organic reach, <laughs> like, <laughs> like genuinely decent organic reach. I mean, literally every follower we got, I would, I would engage with every single one of them. Um, anytime we got an email subscriber, if they left their name, like they got as far as checkout, I think I was only doing it for those. I think most of the time, like we started using a, a tool called Bonjuro, where I would literally like record a video and send it to them before they even made a purchase. Just like welcome to the brand, give them a quick, like 10 seconds feel on who we were, what we were up to. And just, if they had any questions, shoot me back. I, I cannot tell you how well they performed to the, like to this point. Yeah, I still, I will run into people at this point and tell them about posted protein. And some of them, like we've, I've had this in the last like six months where they're like, they remember an email they got from the company, not really knowing that it was that Tom. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's, it's a cool little win, but also it's, it's like, it's those little, I don't know. It's just making the effort at that re- level. You know, it doesn't need to be for everyone, but we probably did that for, I, I probably did that for like the first, like 2000 subscribers we got. 
And the amount of people that went on to tell other people, I mean, literally thousands of videos, thousands of emails, thousands of phone calls, texts, just to go above and beyond to like win those first couple thousand customers that just paid dividends for years. Man, you're telling me building a brand from scratch is hard work, Tom? I have to do things <laughs> I have to do things like that and actually connect with people? Dang. Uh, <laughs> dude, no, but um, sarcasm aside, but man, that's that just goes to show you like the common advice and like it's so cliche, but I'm, I'm learning in life that cliches are true, often true for a reason. Yeah. Do the things that don't scale. And that's, that's the one that doesn't scale. You can't... Uh, I've seen some like AI tools that are trying to like automate that personalization, which I think that's defeating the point. But I think like you saying the first 2000 customers, like, dude, I don't want, I don't know 2000 people. Like I don't text my friends. Like I don't, I barely respond to my friends text messages. Like uh, there's like 15 or 20 or 30, what uh, depend, right? Like 2000 people that like, Hey, thanks for signing up. Like, let me know. It's Tom. Uh, thanks for the, Brand, let me know if you have any questions. Like, just doing that manually and like either video or text, like, it's just the effort it takes to stand out, especially if you're in a competitive mm. vertical, which most people are at this point. Uh, it just, it is a lot of people out there. Anyone can do it. So, like, how are you going to stand out? So, I think it was really neat of you to share that. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm just kind of thinking back. Like, it, it was at that point when I was doing that, we were converting at like a six, seven percent. It was ridiculous, which, you know, I was the primary reason I was doing it at that point. I, mean, I still kind of do it to an extent now is like, you know, when I was launching that brand, like I had no money. I had time. I had no money. It was like, I can leverage one of these, <laughs> one of these I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, early on, that's true for most people. Like when you're yeah. just getting started, you probably have more time than money. So that's how you do it is effort, connection, uh, showing that you care and yeah. you're not just an extra order to show off and your show off your Shopify screenshot on Twitter and be like, Oh, look, look at all these people, suckers who gave me their money. It's like, no, look at all these people who I've impacted with and connected and talked to and have like helped them in some way. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that's pretty interesting. And, um, I think that's a pretty good place for us to wind down. <laughs> we kind of went, we went deep on that one. <laughs> uh, we'll save the other, we'll save the other questions for next time. Good um, deal. Yeah, man. So anything, uh, anything you want to wrap up, anything you want to share that maybe what people can expect in future episodes or anything, any, any final thoughts before we close out? Um, I mean, a, a couple, I suppose like one, just like stay optimistic. If we are going into this recession, like honestly, I don't, I don't see it as something that's catastrophic to small emotions. I really don't. I kind of see it as an advantage. Um, on the flip side, like regarding this podcast, like I, I thrive off Q and A. I'll be honest. You know, it's just me sat there with a microphone. Like I absolutely suck. I have no idea what people are actually interested in. So, like, if somebody is listening to this and they genuinely have a question that I can possibly just add my two cents to and help with just you know whatever experience I have, by all means, like DM me, send me a message on Twitter, just whatever to reach out, and I will gladly go through. It. Yes, yeah. Reach out to Tom. Reach out to me. I'll make sure. Uh, I'm kind of the handler of all the questions and topics and getting this together. So I'd be happy to uh, field those as well. And we would love to just sit here and talk to your question. Um, we love talking about e-commerce and business and advertising, all this stuff. So any questions you guys have, any topics, any things you want help with, just let us know. And this is uh, for us to connect with each other. It's us to connect with the rest of you listening. 
And this is just episode one. So uh, let us know what you thought. Let us know what you want to see more of. And uh, we'll catch you on episode two.